Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When a young woman takes a taxi cab ride, he takes her on a journey into the Twilight Zone. And then, finally, we're going to India. For sure today. For sure. A man has a family, a business, a life. But when he starts saying that his father's spirit is visiting him, asking him to perform a bizarre ritual, people in the neighborhood begin to get concerned. But they have no idea, but they have no idea the madness that awaits. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. For our first story, we're leaving behind all of our custom vehicles, like the Dead Rabbit rowboat or the Carpenter Copter, and we're just going to hail a taxi. That's me. (laughs) That's me whistling, apparently, somehow. I can't whistle at all. I've told that story before. Hey, you, taxi guy, come here. Taxi shows up. Actually, it's funny... Because isn't everything Uber now? I read this horrible story. Not the story we're about to do, but I guess suicides are up in New York. You're like, Jason, this isn't why we listen to your podcast. I guess suicides are up in New York because taxi cab drivers are killing themselves. Because before, I guess taxis had to have a medallion. Like, you had to have a taxi medallion. It's basically a license to operate a taxi in the city of New York. Some of these go up to two, dollars $300,000. Because the city only has so many of them to go around. So you would buy one as your retirement. You'd buy one, be a taxi cab driver for a while, ready to leave. You would sell your medallion to someone else who wanted to have another taxi in their fleet. You have to have one per taxi. So if you had 10 taxis, you'd have to have 10 medallions. If you're an independent operator, you just needed the one. But you would do it for, you know, a couple years. Not a couple years. You'd do it for 10, 20 years. Then you'd give your, you'd sell your medallion $300,000. They're a limited amount. Uber's completely destroyed that economy. So people are blowing their brains out. That Sorry, that's, that's not what we're talking about. That's depressing. We're talking about, we're going to Britain. The year's 2019. In December, we're in Teesside, England. There's a taxi cab driver named Tony Cole. He's going to turn the radio down so he can talk to us. Hey, mates. You know what? I'm not just any driver. I'm not just any old bloke named Tony Cole. 60 years old. Taxi. I, wait, no, you know I'm a taxi driver. That's not unusual. We're like, oh, this guy's a little, little out of it. He's like, I knew you're gonna say that. I knew you're gonna complain about me personality and the fact that I'm Irish now. 
No, you see, I'm not just a taxi cab driver. I'm a psychic taxi cab driver. Let me tell you my story. I'm like, great. Out of all the taxi cab drivers in Teesside, we had to get the one that is related to the topic of this show. He's like, I knew you were going to say that too. He starts throwing newspapers back at us. We're like, uh. He's been, there's been a ton of articles written about this guy over the years. He is known as a psychic taxi cab driver. He actually classifies himself as the chubby brown of spiritualism. Now, I know what all those words mean separately, but when put in a sentence, I have no idea what that means. I, I guess chubby brown is some sort of British comedian. Maybe I should watch some of his stand-up. But, we don't have time. We're taking a psychic taxi cab ride. And he's driving. We hope he is. Okay. <laughs> he's in the back seat with us. We're like, no, you're supposed to be driving. He's like, oh yeah, I'm very bad at my job. I forgot, so get back up there. He's a psychic taxi cab driver. So as he's driving, he's like, I can tell you what you did today. And we're like, make bad decisions on choices of taxi cabs, then that would be correct. He's like, no, 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 no. Jason, when you woke up today... You got two and a half hours of sleep. You woke up, you went to work, and you were super tired, but you did it. And about halfway through the day, you ate a bunch of beef jerky and two bags of frozen cheese chips. Would that be correct, laddie? Is that what you did today? And I'm like, (sighs) checking my breath. I'm like, can you smell the beef jerky and the cheese chips? And you're looking at me, you're like, is that true? I turn to you and I go, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did eat a lot of cheese chips today and I did eat some beef jerky. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. And we look and Tony has a big old smile on his face. He kind of looks a little bit. Sir, has anyone ever told you you look like the chubby brown of spiritualism? He's like, I, uh, many have, many have, my lad. So Tony Cole, then He psychically tells you your future. He told my past. He tells your future. He says, you are going to keep listening to this episode. Whoa, dude, where are these powers coming from? So, Tony Cole has been reported on a lot in the British media. The uh, taxicab psychic. But this year, not this year, December 2019, has not been a kind year to Tony Cole. Because now the articles are about an unfortunate incident he had. What happened this year was he was driving his... See, this is what he does. You get in his taxi cab. He tells you what you did. He, like, talks to ghosts. And Okay, so let, and let me give you his backstory here real quick, too. He said he was just a normal bloke up until he was 40. And then he woke up on his 40th birthday on that day and ghosts were talking to him. And ever since then, he's had a bit of the shine. He's been able to communicate with spirits and been able to... I don't think he can really read the future, but he can definitely say that he can find out about your past, which you've done and stuff like that. It's probably a lot of guesswork, but who knows? He was quite on with the made-up scenario I did. The reason why he's in the news now, people get in his taxi and he tells them what they were doing. Well, this young woman, she's like 18, 19. They don't give her age. They say she's a teenager, but she's in college, so I don't think she's 14. It's not Doogie Howser getting into the back of this car. Anyways, this girl gets into the taxi, right? And they're driving, and Tony's like, oh, yes, milady, taking you to college. Hmm, I bet you I can tell you what you did this morning. And the girl's like, what? He's like, yes, yes. You woke up and you got dressed, but then you thought, hmm, that's not a good outfit. So you took your clothes off and put on new clothes. And the girl's just dead silent in the back, and he's like, oh, yes. And then something about your brother. Now, 
Tony doesn't tell us what he said about her brother. And we've never really heard from the girl. But what happened was, when he drops the girl off at the college, she immediately goes to her teacher and says, Dude, I think this dude was in my house. I think I'm being stalked. And the teacher, she says, I was took a taxi cab with this guy who was like 60. And he told me that he was right. That I had woke up this morning and I got dressed and I didn't like my outfit, so I changed my clothes. And then he said something about my brother, which I'm not going to repeat. And the teacher goes, I think you might be being stalked. I, I mean, if that is that true? And she's like, yes, absolutely. I did wake up, get dressed, change my outfit. And these people are obviously skeptics. They don't believe in the paranormal. They then report him to the taxi licensing board of Middleborough. And he's getting investigated because they're saying he was stalking this young woman. He's like, I'm not stalking her. I'm just psychic. So that's where we're at. He also, and I love this quote in this article. So you have that right there and you go, oh, you know, maybe he is a lovable old psychic. Chubby Brown of spiritualism. And he really could see into the past. Maybe it was a lucky guess. It's always funny because news articles are always kind of written. They're written in a very particular way where you have to get the facts in. But how it's organized determines the intent or how they want the reader to feel. In this particular article, it said, here's an actual line from the article here. While he openly admits to being in prison four or five times, Mr. Cole insists he is no stalker and says most of his passengers. So let's stop before I finish this quote and go back to that first part. Quote, while he openly admits he's been in prison four or five times, Mr. Cole insists he's no stalker and says most of his passengers enjoy it when he gives readings. So, drunk tank, going to jail for beating someone up, spending a weekend in jail, spending 30 days in jail. That's fine. Four or five times in prison? Prison. And they don't tell us why. Oh, yeah, but I've been in prison four or five times, but I'm not a stalker. I may be a bank robber, and I may be a a hitman, but I'm no stalker. So who knows? I don't know what he was in. They never really say what he was in prison for, so I don't think he was a bank robber or a murderer, but it's just a weird thing to throw in there. So that's what he's facing right now. He'll probably just lose his license. I don't think there'll be any criminal charges because his defense is that he's just talking to ghosts, which I would like to see that trial because just to hear him like all the juries up there. Do they do juries in England? Is that an American thing? I think it's just like the judge with the powdered wig. I hope they do juries over there. So before we move on to our next story, yes, we are going to get to the India story today. We were 100% going to get to the India story. It's very creepy. I've been putting it off for a while, but... I just want to remind you guys, if you want to help support the show, you can do it through Patreon. You can do it in the merch store. Both of those are linked in our show notes. You can also send us a review, and I wanted to read this review I got the other day. Short little guy. This is from somebody named Nolity. And I love this. New subscriber who found the show by accident and now binging the 350 plus episodes on an international trip. Jason is really funny. Thank you. Super interesting. Thank you. But I can't figure out how he has time to do this daily. A huge endeavor that's well appreciated by this listener. Thank you. No, thank you for the review. So if you guys want to leave me five-star reviews wherever you listen to podcasts, that'd be great. And if you can't do any of those, just share the show with your friends. Let your family know. Let people around your community know. Really helps the show grow. Any one of those four are awesome things to do, and I really, really appreciate it. Let's 
hop on board. We're saying goodbye to Tony Cole. He knew we were going to say that, by the way. We're going to hop on board the Carpenter Copter. Get in, guys. We are finally headed to India. I don't know what that noise is. I have no idea. It sounded like some German craft work electronic music song we're going we're we're bumping some kmfdm flying over to india you're like oh my god please no jason it's like there's a whole genre of music that's basically sounds you can make with your mouth but a computer makes them instead like you can't really make a good piano sound ding 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 ding. you can't do that right yes that's even farther but electronica music is like, what is the thing? Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. That's all like it's noises you can make with your mouth, but a computer makes them. Maybe maybe Skynet, maybe the ultimate AI machine isn't some supercomputer. It's just a synthesizer that becomes self-aware and realizes it doesn't need us to make music. It can make music itself. That was terrible let's go ahead and move on to our india story which i already said i'm getting lost in the beat i'm a slave to the rhythm okay it's july 1st 2018 copter we're gonna land in a field in barari india in barari india there is a man named lalit lalit bhatia so you had the brothers bhavnesh bhatia and lalit bhatnia I'm sure I'm pronouncing all of those names wrong. So I'm pretty much going to stop introducing the rest of the family. You have those two brothers. You have a grandma and a sister. So Lalit's sister. Their wives. Not the. This is getting complicated. Not the sister's wives. You have the grandma. You have a daughter. You have Bhavnish Bhatia and Lalit Bhatia. Those are the brothers. Then you have their wives. And then five grandkids. So it's a total of 11 people living in this house. He has a little shop. A little like supermarket. And then their house is above the shop. This family's lived in this area for the longest time. It's not in the middle of nowhere. It's a kind of a... It's not bustling metropolis either. Both of those are code words for Jason. (laughs) Didn't look up the location. But don't think that this is some shanty town in the middle of BFE. And it's also not in the middle of... Actually, it may be either of those... I didn't look it up. So the point is, just for the sake of the story, imagine a little town with a little shop and a little house on top of it. So you're like, Jason, why am I going to trust anything you say after this when you've told me twice? (laughs) Now you don't know where this takes place. I know where it takes place. I just don't know the demographics. I didn't look it up on MapQuest, okay? We're in Barari, India. It's July 1st, 2018. Three days away from 4th of July. Everyone's buying their fireworks. You're ready to shoot them off for Indian independence. Very middle class family. They've lived there for 20 years. People go to the shop and all the time. Family run shop, family run business. And one morning. Knock on the door. No one is in the shop looking through the windows. Hmm, that's weird. Probably should have looked through the windows before I knocked on the door. That's normally how this works. Don't see anyone in there. Hey, La- Lalit, are you in there? Lalit. Are you in there, Lalit? Are you in there? Someone else is like, what, you think he turned invisible? You can obviously see there's no one in there just yelling his name. I don't know, I'm just trying to figure it out. No one's there. So Lalit was a good man. But people, you know, after a certain amount of time, people thought, he's acting a little weird. 
He's acting a little weird. He's acting withdrawn. Now, we find out after the events we're going to go into. I'm kind of doing this sequentially. After the events that we're going to have the story end, we find all this stuff out. But at the time, he's keeping diaries. Writing stuff down, which is what you generally do with a diary. 22 of them in total. With a lot of weird beliefs in them. Now, he loved his family. But he would write stuff that the family is not living up to their full potential. They could be better. They could do better. And one thing they're not doing is they're not recognizing the hard, hard work that my father put into this company. Without my father, none of this would exist. My father built this business. And they don't realize how great of a man he was. Lolly began to talk to some of his friends in private and say, I, I saw my father's ghost. My father's ghost is visiting me. Friends are like, well, what's he saying? Well, he tells me that we're not grateful. I'm grateful enough, but the rest of the family is not grateful enough for all the hard work that he put into the business. People are like, well, I mean, I don't, I, it's always tough when someone close to you has a parent. I, I've, I know people who have been abducted by aliens, have seen ghosts and all sorts of stuff. And there's different ways to deal with it. Some people just tell the story and then they're on. And then some people you can tell it's very troubling for them to talk about the event. And it's always difficult to help them because they're dealing with something that there really is no help for. And in a situation like this, someone comes to you and says their dad's ghost is visiting them. You may believe in ghosts, but you're still going to have that knee-jerk reaction to think you may need to go see... Before you go see an exorcist, why don't you go talk to somebody like a psychiatrist or something like that? Because it could be that, too. But his friends were like, you know... Lali, that's kind of weird, but, you know, I don't know, <laughs> my condolences? Like, what do you say to someone when their dad's ghost is showing up criticizing the family members? But then as more time passes, he begins to become more withdrawn. He starts to make more troubling statements. He feels like there are four spirits that have latched themselves onto his family. And he can see him. He writes about this stuff in his diaries. These spirits have latched onto the family and they won't let go. And more troubling than that, his father's spirit is now no longer just appearing and talking to him. Sometimes walking through the house, sitting in the living room, laying in bed. Lalit can feel his father's spirit trying to crawl into his body. Trying to possess him. Writing this down in his diaries. He also realizes that he needs to make sure that his family is aware of the father's contribution to the family. He realizes that he needs to cleanse the family of these dark spirits. 
Maybe that will give him some peace. Maybe that will allow the father's spirit to go somewhere else. To stop trying to possess him. To not torment him. He has to perform a purification ritual. Lalit writes in his journal a particular ritual he wants to perform. One of the key parts of the ritual is being able to tie your own hands behind your back. Everyone in the family has to do it. It will cleanse the family. It will appease the patriarch. July 1st, 2018. Lalit! Lalit, open up, dude. You're, you're, you're a shop, dude. You, I gotta buy milk, bro. Come on. Do they drink milk in India? Because I know the cow secret. Let's go. I gotta get some, I don't know, M&M's. Wait, do they eat chocolate? I don't know. Dude, I gotta get Indian food. Open up. Open up. Nobody's coming to the door. That's fine. Every so often in a business, something's gonna happen. But this, this family had been here for 20 years. This business has been open for that long. It's super bizarre that nobody's there. There's 11 people in the house. Dude finally goes, I'm breaking in. They're like, what? He goes, I'm, I'm going to break into the house. I'm not going to bust in through their glass door of their shop. I'm going to kick their door in. Because I think something's up. You go call the police, fine. Go ahead and do that. But I'm just going to break in. So apparently a cat burglar lives in the neighborhood. And he breaks into the house. Lalit! Anybody? Is everything okay? Walking through the house. Sees... Something sitting in a recliner in the corner of a room. But what gets his attention is when he turns and looks into the living room. And there, in a circle, are ten stools and ten hanging bodies, slowly swaying back and forth. Please show up. Not long afterwards, guy runs out. Cops are already been called. Cops going. One of the officers on the scene walks in and said, I never, I'll never forget that. I walked in, saw 10 bodies hanging, and just turned around and walked back out. 10 bodies hanging in a circle. The 11th body, the grandma, was the one sitting in the recliner. She was strangled where she sat. Ten bodies hanging are the rest of the family, including Lalit. There was actually one person who wasn't killed that day because they were gone. I think it was like an other son that was gone from the area, moved away or something like that. But everyone in that house was dead. Hands tied behind their back. They each had a blindfold made out of a bedsheet. So someone took a bedsheet, ripped off individual pieces, and they go... Their first inclination was this wasn't well planned. Someone didn't go out and buy 10 blindfolds. It was a spur of the moment thing. But they got CCTV footage of some of the members of the family buying stools a couple days before this happened. So it was a little bit planned out. They needed 10 stools. I mean, who has 10 chairs or stools? That's a lot of stuff to commit suicide. There's a lot of... A lot of people have a lot of rope hanging around, definitely have bed sheets, but not everyone has 10 chairs or stools to jump off of. Their hands are tied behind their back. And going through the diaries, they think... First off, the thing... I think I'm kind of missing the forest for the trees here. How did this happen? How do 10 people kill themselves at pretty much the same time? They're all blindfolded. They all have earplugs in. Their phones are all in a separate room. Hands are tied behind their back. So... 
they're basically tying their hands behind their back. They were taught to tie their hands behind their back. Now, it's funny because really only one person would have to tie their hands behind their back, and that was the last person. Someone could tie the rest of them. When they're looking through, when the cops are looking through all these diaries, they come to a bizarre conclusion. This was the ritual that Lalit was talking about, but they didn't intend to die. It actually says after the ritual, one person will untie their hands and then they'll untie the rest of the people's hands because it's harder to untie yourself than it is to tie yourself. It also said in the diaries that we will perform this ritual again next week when that family member comes back. We're going to do this ritual again because they have some demons attached to themselves as well. So the cops are looking at this and they go, this looks like it's some sort of horrible accident. Like there's supposed to be some ritual and maybe they were all supposed to jump off as like a leap of faith and they wouldn't die and then the matriarch would like cut them down from the ropes or some weird supernatural thing and then that would get the demons off of them. The rest of the family members, because this they still had like cousins and stuff like that, they go, these people were murdered. This is 100% a murder. Lalit was a little depressed, but he wasn't an idiot. Nobody, he, first off, even if he did believe if you hung your, because that, they bought the stools to jump off of. These people were definitely hung, and the grandma was strangled. So, th- that was the weird thing, too. If it was supposed to be a ritual that was supposed to be fine that you're going to do next week, was, they bring in grout, they strangled grandma. So, they're like, even if it worked, even if they're like, oh, the ropes broke, and then the ghost dad saved us, and now he's off to shoot ghost dad, too, with Bill Cosby. Grandma's still dead. Like, she's choked. There's no coming back from that. You you watched her die, dude. So, that part's weird. I mean, it's all weird. But the fact that they have earplugs in makes... This is what I think it is, honestly. I think the dad was going nuts. And I have an even darker theory in a second. But he told the rest of the family that it was just a ritual. And he may have even shown them the writings in the diary being like, look, look, at, look in this book. And they're like... Didn't you just write that, Dad? He's like, no, no, no. I bought this book at Barnes & Noble. This is just in my handwriting. It's a really weird book. But it says that this ritual, this is how it's happened. We're going to jump. We're going to survive. We're going to be purged by the fire. All the demons are going to leave us, and we'll be fine. And he may have tricked them into doing it. He may have tricked all of them into doing it. And they all hung, and then he he went and strangled Grandma, and then he hung himself. That's possible, too. He could have been so tormented by these thoughts that that was the only way to... To clear everything out. The other possibility is that, like the rest of the family says, somebody murdered this entire family and made it look like a ritual suicide. But again, that's always tough because he wrote about it in a bunch of books and then the mafia decided to kill. Did they read the diaries too? Like they have everyone at gunpoint and some guys like, whoa, 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 hold on, don't shoot him yet. Let me finish reading these 22 diaries. Hmm. I have, a, I have an interesting idea in this uh, 19th diary here that I've just been reading for two weeks. He starts talking about doing some crazy ritual. Let's kill them like that. Like, that would be a weird coincidence. But here's where we get dark. And that's pretty dark already with 10 people either accidentally killing themselves or suicide, mass suicide, something like that. Let's get even darker than that. A man is tormented by the spirit of his dead father, who's constantly browbeating him about the family is not grateful enough. The family does not understand what I've created for them. They're ungrateful. And then this spirit 
of the founder of the family who created all of this wealth, created this life for this family, does possess Lalit, takes control of his body. Lalit's mind is trapped somewhere in the back, just watching the events unfold over the last few days. This possessed man is able either through trickery or through force, able to murder his entire family and then hangs himself. It was the father all along, slowly crawling back into the family's life because he knew that they would never understand the hard work that he had done to give them the life that they had. He knew they were ungrateful. They had to be punished. The only way to get them to realize the life that he had given them was to take that life away from them. The only way he could truly communicate to them his hard work and how much he had given them, how much he had created for them, how much he had given them the life they had, the only way he could let them know for sure what he had done for them is to take that life away. We'll never have any real answers as to what happened in that house. We have a collection of diaries, signs of a man in his mental decline, a family seemingly normal, but may have had issues of their own. We'll never know for certain. But 11 people did die in that house on that summer day. We can only hope that they have peace in the next life. And the Father's Spirit is no longer tormenting them on the other side. Trying to prove to them that even after death, they are ungrateful and must be punished. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.